Hello and welcome to One Star Bazaar, where we review the movies critics hated in search of the unfairly underrated. This week we review your Twitter poll pick, one of many movies based on video games that failed to win over critics. Max Payne earned its star a Razzie nomination for Worst Actor, but also managed to take the number one spot at the box office on opening weekend. Big stars and big box office bucks? How bad can it be? Max Payne was directed by John Moore 8, written by Bo Thorne, in theaters October 17th, 2008, starring Mark Wahlberg, Mila Kunis, Bo Bridges, Chris Ludacris Bridges, and Chris O'Donnell. Are Bo Bridges and Ludacris related? Yes. That would be amazing. But He's his I son. Don't, I don't think that's true. <laughs> the synopsis we have is... Coming together to solve a series of murders in New York City are a police detective whose family was slain as part of a conspiracy and an assassin out to avenge her sister's death. The duo will be hunted by the police, the mob, and a ruthless corporation. I feel like that gives away, like, the whole movie. I can't get over the the Bow Bridges, Chris Bridges thing. Like, if it, was, if it just said Chris Bridges and didn't say Chris... Quote, Ludacris, Bridget, if, if, you know, most people probably don't know Ludacris's real name. I think he finally, they, I think now he's just credited as Chris Bridges, because he's done a lot of acting stuff. Right, basically but, the Fast and the Furious franchise. Yeah, but he m might still do the, the quotes, I'm not sure. After brief Googling, it seems that anytime he does music things, it's just Ludacris. But when it's movies, he's Chris Ludacris Bridges. I also thought it was funny that there's Bo Bridges, Ludacris Bridges, and Chris O'Donnell. Or, sorry. <laughs> Bo Bridges, Chris Bridges, and Chris O'Donnell. I wanted to find a way to be, like, Chris Bridges Bridges, or Chris Chris oh, so Bridges Bridges. Like. Do the before and after, like, <laughs> yeah. the Jeopardy category? Yes, but it didn't work. That only works when the second <laughs> word is, anyway. I know, I'm so sad. Max Payne has a 16% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 31% on Metacritic. It is, however, liked by 82% of Google users, to the surprise of no one here. <laughs> Sean Axemaker of the Seattle PI said, A dumb film with a great conceptual hook from a director who visualizes better than he dramatizes. That sounds like a Zack Snyder film. <laughs> Justin Chang of Variety said this movie is stylishly made, armed to the teeth, and ludicrous in the extreme, and also ludicrous in the casting. Wink, wink. Well, he, That's, Jonathan added, added that. That is <laughs> not that. part of the quote. <laughs> Nigel Floyd of Time Out said, John Moore directs the hell out of the action, while Jonathan Sela's glistening photography captures the snow and rain that fall in these bloody New York streets. But you'd have to be on crack not to guess the surprise finale. Yeah. We're going to watch this on stars and come back with our review. But in the meantime, please enjoy this quick message from our friends at the Piecing It Together podcast. 
Was A Quiet Place inspired by signs it comes at night in War for the Planet of the Apes? Was Ready Player One influenced by Avatar, Wreck-It Ralph, and The Last Starfighter? Is a hurricane heist more influenced by Sharknado or Geostorm? These are the kinds of questions my guest co-hosts and I discuss on my podcast, Piecing It Together. Every week, we look at a new movie and try to figure out what other movies inspired it, whether it's the story, the character development, tone, or even use of music. Every movie was influenced by something that came before, and we want to figure out what. Check out Piecing It Together on your favorite podcast app or check us out on piecingpod.com. You can also follow us on social media at piecingpod. Piecing It Together is a part of the All Points West Podcast Network. So now that we have watched Max Payne for... So I'd seen it when it first came out, but I had not seen it since then. So it was basically like watching it for the first time. Yeah, I did not remember it. How was the acting? So you know how people say, like, Will Smith always plays the same character? Like, Will Smith is really good at playing Will Smith. Yeah. Like, Mark Wahlberg's exactly the same, right? Even in The Departed? Yeah, he's just an amped up, like, (laughs) version of the same. Basically, Boston douchebag. And in The Departed, he's, like, really, you know, awesome at that. And it fills the role he's playing, mm-hmm. but he's still playing that exact part, except it turned up to 11. Okay. Yes. And what about Plenty of the Apes? I don't even remember the Apes in that movie. <laughs> I don't remember that movie. <laughs> I don't care about that movie. And we have not seen... you. Okay, so you've seen Boogie Nights. Yes, I have. I have not. He's actually really good in that movie. And um, we have not seen the one where he plays, like... A rock star, and we haven't seen the, the one where the woman? football one. He's in. Oh, I've like, seen the football one where he plays the Eagles guy, yeah, the Invincible. But no, he's in a movie where like he plays some sort of rock star guy. Um, okay. So like Pain and Gain, he's that same guy though. He's like criminal, <laughs> criminal, like kind of it's, douchebag. Hold on, it's literally called Rock Star. <laughs> Never heard of it. Wow. Okay. That's awesome. Anyway. Um, but so- the difference is, okay, the, the point I'm making is, like, Will Smith, people are like, people have told me, oh, he's really good at playing Will Smith. I don't even know if Mark Wahlberg is very good <laughs> at playing Mark Wahlberg. But, I mean, the Transformers movies, he's the same kind of, he's just, he's Mark Wahlberg. He's yeah. never anything except just Mark Wahlberg. He's kind of much of a transformative performance. He's just kind of tough. He's no Daniel Day-Lewis, where you're like, is that Daniel Day-Lewis? I don't recognize him. You're never going to be like, oh, I didn't realize that was Mark Wahlberg. Now, Donnie Wahlberg, on the other hand, (laughs) probably just because he's not famous enough that you don't see him constantly and you're not like, oh, it's Donnie. He was, did you know that he's the guy in the beginning of The Sixth Sense who like gets naked and kills himself? Oh, really? Yeah. That was like a transformative role. And this is a tangent. We won't go into that. But The one with like the white spot in his hair? I don't know. Sure. Whatever. The one that like shoots Bruce Willis. That like breaks into his house. Yeah. Breaks into and kills himself. No, I did not know that was Donnie Yeah. He lost like, I don't know, 100 pounds or something to play that (laughs) role. Probably not that much. He got really like skinny though. Anyway. Can we, instead of talking about the acting, can we talk more about the characters? Well, that's more about the story, but sure, let's okay, talk well about then, the characters. Okay, well then, to segue into the story, let's talk about more of the characters. Because the acting, what do you want to say about the acting? It's bleh. I mean, they're, yeah, and I think... It's fine. It's whatever. Yeah, <laughs> because it is based on a video game, I feel like most video game characters are fairly, like, one-dimensional. 
I would say the acting is constrained by the dialogue of the script. Which is minimal. And it's very much, you know, it's so, like, it's so stereotypical. It's so canned, just... Like, it, it has speech. the feel of playing a video game. It does. Like, it's those little snippets that help move the story along. Those, maybe a cutscene here or there right. that kind of helps explain the backstory. Um, but, yeah, you're not getting great monologues in this movie. <laughs> right, exactly. And, you know, it's the, oh, I'm the internal affairs guy. Sit down. I have to ask you some questions. You know, there's nothing subtle about it there's no nuance to the dialogue it's literally just oh we need to mention this beat so we can move on to the next thing and you right. can you can get this piece of information and it very much plays out like a video game mystery kind of thing where we watch our protagonist solve the clue or you know we get the clues to solve the mystery and whatever and figure out what's going on which yeah the mystery like it's not even that exciting mm-hmm the movie that I thought of about halfway through this that it reminds me of, because this movie is very much trying to be in the vein of like a film noir, yeah, kind of, you know, that video game film noir thematic storyline, whatever you want to call it. Like visually, it looks a lot like maybe The Spirit or... Um, Have you seen The Spirit? Yeah. With Gabriel Mott? Just because of all the black and white. Okay. Like sure. it's very dark, right, very... I mean, right. So I was trying to think of, like, what other films in the last, whatever, 20 years have tried to kind of harken back to that film noir mm -hmm. feel. Because obviously film noir is, when you think of it, you think dark and you think kind of, right, you know, black and white, shadowy. You know, it's always about a mystery. It's always usually, like, some sort of detective or police officer trying to figure out what's going on right yeah and mysterious shady characters some of which are bad and some of which turn out to be helpful like in the case of Mila Kunis in this film so in the last so really that's that's like old school Humphrey Bogart type films are the classic film noir films right mm -hmm. but then since then we've had kind of sci-fi film noir very famously like Blade Runner right right um you could almost say that pol uh, pulp fiction. You could almost say that the Fifth Element is like an anti-film noir, right? Anti-sci-fi film noir kind of thing, where they're they're saying, "Hey, let's do Blade Runner, but instead of everything being dark and gritty, we're gonna make it really like bright, you know, crazy, busy on mm -hmm. purpose to really be the antithesis of that, even though we're kind of still making it very much a." film noir in story right where corbin you know dallas bruce willis's character kind of is figuring out the mystery and fighting off the bad guys and trying to protect the MacGuffin. yeah <laughs> okay so in the last 20 years though we have like sin city right. right very much stylistically the film noir thing to the extreme yeah we have um the movie that i thought of kind of partway through this film was that we watched on this podcast was the film Mute. Oh yeah. Right? Mhm. Mm I think as much as a lot of people did not like Mute and we actually kind of weirdly all agreed, we had a guest star on our podcast and we all weirdly agreed separately that we actually kind of liked Mute. But I think there's there might be some backlash from that and I think a lot of people <laughs> who are into movies are like, "Oh, that movie sucked." But 
for all of its faults, I feel like that movie was very ambitious and was trying to have a very kind of unique, interesting storyline and setup and whatever, and then, you know, mold that, you know, to the classic film noir. This movie did not do that at all. <laughs> like, this movie was just like, yeah, whatever, here, you know, stereotypical cop trying to solve a murder of his wife and blah, 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 whatever. It was just, like... But, again, so we did not play the video game Max Payne. Correct, no. So, while we can fault the movie for that portion of the story, it's likely the source material is what's to blame. So, are you, okay... To kind of take that off into a new direction, I don't know if we've mentioned it on this podcast before, but I've certainly had discussions with friends who are really into movies. Um, really, video game movies are not good, right? Like, just on average. Yeah. Like, the best video game-based movies are still mediocre to okay. Like, it's, it's harder to find a video game movie... That is not on no, our list. That's not on our list. Right. Then it's on our list. So something like Rampage that came out in the last year or two. Yeah. That has like a It's It's like the highest rated video game movie percent. ever. Right. Yeah. Um, Until the, like, if you want to count Pokemon yeah, like as Detective a video Pikachu. game movie, yeah. but it's really not. I mean, it kind of is. Fine. Pokemon is the most successful franchise intellectual property of all time. Okay. Apparently. More than Star Wars. Amazingly. Fine. Then Pokemon, Detective Pokemon Detective is... Detective Pikachu. Whatever. <laughs> you, you saw it in theaters. No, and I know nothing about Pokemon. Um, so also Detective kind of Pikachu is... It is a film noir, yes. Um, is apparently the best video game movie until... Before... After Rampage. Arguably, Rampage was the best arguably one. Arguably it was based on a video game because there actually is a video game that is that Detective Pikachu story. Is there? There is an actual Pokemon game. Thanks, Barry. That that. Anyway. <laughs> I've never played but, it. But, yeah, so the point is, maybe Max Payne wasn't that great of a story in the video game itself. Which is okay, for the record. We're not knocking yeah. it. Yeah, so... Because the fact of the matter is, we don't expect amazing cinematic, like, literature out of video games. Right. I mean, obviously, depending on the video game a giant, massive, like, RPG that's been going on for 20 years, like, the Warcraft universe, you kind of do expect much better storylines than, like, just a one-shot, you right. know, oh, here's this kind of playthrough shooter where you're going to beat it in, like, six hours I mean, and then you're done. And maybe there is some blame to be assigned to the writers because if we take something like Pirates of the Caribbean, where it's, like, a 10-minute amusement park ride with, like, with, zero with story... No story yeah. And then they somehow turn it into a quadrilogy? Set, right. Set, how many are the quint, quintilogy? There's five There's movies, Five right? movies, yeah. Yeah, of story, somehow. <laughs> so clearly a, it's possible. A, a pen, pentolid, pentra, I don't know. Whatever. Give up. <laughs> so, I don't know. I didn't mind the story. I felt like... It did feel like you were playing a video game and that, you know, you're just kind of thrust into this world and you're kind of along for the ride and you're piecing it together as the character does. Um, but it didn't, it didn't 
there are obviously a lot of questions left unanswered. Like, oh, apparently Mila Kunis is an assassin. Well, like, I thought what, she was like a mobster. Like, like, her character made no sense and was not explained in this movie. <laughs> and then when she shows up at the end to basically save Mark Wahlberg's bacon and start killing people that are, you know, going to kill him and whatever. I'm like, what? Where did she even come from? Did I miss, honestly, did I miss something? Did they have a conversation where she was like, oh, I need to go save it? Like, no. So, right? They have the conversation where he decides he's going after them. Right, to the bar. Right. The Ragnarok bar. This was like the next day he was at the evil, uh, you know, pharmaceutical building. Yeah, I don't know. Can I bring up the fact right now that nothing in this movie is subtle with regards to, (laughs) like, no, okay, maybe 20 years ago when, like, Norse mythology had not permeated like, nerd, gamer, whatever culture as much. Yeah. And you didn't would have, have been like, like, so oh. many TV shows about Vikings. Yeah. And... Then maybe it would have been kind of cool. Like, it would have been a little bit more of an Easter egg subtle hint. Oh, the pharmaceutical is named, you know, company's named Asir Pharmaceuticals. And, oh, they have Valkyrie. You know, what are the Valkyries? Like, what's that about? No, everyone knows what Valkyries are nowadays, I feel like. Yeah. Right? So, is... Anyway. So this movie did not age well, is what you're saying. <laughs> no, I just, I don't even, I mean, at the time, I don't think, I don't, I don't know. I mean, maybe you're, maybe that's the, maybe that is it. It is 10 years ago. Maybe it was a little bit more subtle, less on the nose about, you know, the, the names of the things. But I mean, the fact of it is, I know what Asir means, A-E-S-I-R. I did not. So it has to do with Norse gods, right? Like the Pantheon. Sure. Anyway, so then when the pharmaceutical company has that name, and then they're like, oh, the Valkyrie, and then you see that everyone on this drug, like, has hallucinations of demon... Winged creature things. Valkyrie things killing them, like, you're like, yeah, there's a connection there. There was also something that was very confusing, and spoiler alert. Um, Okay. Are the Valkyrie things real? Okay. Okay. Because... No. Okay, wait. Go ahead. Wait. Then how did they throw that guy out of the window? He didn't. He fell. No. Did you, he was, like, clutching on to the thing, yeah. the windowsill. Right. Like, trying... No, he didn't fall. He was, like, launched. Yeah. That was his hallucination, but he fell. So he, like, jumped? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Okay. Okay. In his mind, whatever, he was forced off, pulled off, but that's not actually what happened. Would it have been cooler if the Valkyrie things were real? I did actually think about that during this movie because in thinking about other movies, I know when we talked about... Constantine? Never seen it. <gasps> so. Oh my god. We're talking about the Keanu Reeves. The Keanu Reeves one? Never seen it. Oh. Okay. We um, are watching that. So... When we watched As Above, So, so Below, yeah, we also mentioned back to the Tomb Raider film from last year with Alicia Vikander, the idea of, you know, what, when movies talk about the supernatural, sometimes they come up with a scientific explanation, which right. you're like, oh no, it was all, it all makes sense in the rational world because of X, versus Indiana Jones is like, no, yeah, like... They're supernatural, they're supernatural powers, and they are what killed the Nazis or killed the, you know, Mularam or whatever. So, 
I was kind of wondering, when we first see people being attacked by gargoyle Valkyrie things, mm-hmm. I was like, are, I was trying to remember, I'm like, do these turn out to be real or not? So then the the girl no, who got, like, ripped apart, though, yeah, that's was because, that the soldier guy? Yeah, the gangster okay. soldier guys came through and, like, chopped her up. Oh, yeah, yeah, because he you chopped know? up that one guy with the hatchet thing. Yeah, like, she imagined whatever, and that thing. was to, you know, get her into, you know, get her alone and scared whatever they In the her. alley. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so despite the flaws of this movie, and the story, and the bland acting, is it engaging? Because I'm going to say yes. It wasn't very long, was it? It was not super long. Like an hour and a half? And it's pretty, which is something we don't normally comment on. No, it's funny. When I said before we watched it when we were first introducing it, I was like, oh, this sounds like a Zack Snyder film. Um, That's an offense to Zack Snyder films, because Zack Snyder films are better than this movie. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like Zack Snyder, and that's not a compliment to Zack Snyder, by the way. That's not like, oh, he's so great. And I know that he's made, he's had some some pretty decent uh, movies in this regard. He I does, know. he does some like, good slow motion fight. No, no, scenes. he Zack Snyder is an amazing action director. I said that when I first saw um, Batman vs Superman, because I think when Wonder Woman shows up and starts kicking ass, I'm like, that's awesome. And he knows how to really use that those special effects to kind of play with the action tension and whatnot and i like that and i know people like watchmen and then generally i mean it's not like they think it's the most amazing film ever not the tv show the movie we have not seen the tv show well it just came out like last week right so whatever um but yeah the film people are like oh yeah that's a pretty good adaptation and i mean 300 same thing is a pretty good adaptation about as best about as good as you could expect it Mm -hmm. um but of course, a lot of people don't like his take on Batman and Superman and anyway, Sucker Punch. Zack Snyder whatever. aside, I feel like this movie did do some cool visual things. But did it? Like what? So the slow motion stuff that's 10 years after The Matrix, which really invented those techniques? No, I mean, yeah, so... I mean, I know that Max. Yes. I know that Max Payne video game used like bullet time or whatever you want to call it, whatever it was, as like a thing. Because I remember I had a friend who played this that game in high school, right? I mean, that game was like twenty years old. Or I don't know. Eighteen years old. I think the first one came out like. We'll look it up later. Around the turn of the century. And then we'll for- I'll say we'll look it up later, and then we'll forget. Yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> no, but I think that was like one of the cool things about the video game is oh, you can like you know. Use your your power up to go into slow motion, and then use that to like get an edge on the bad guys that you're going through shooting. I see. But you can only use it every once in a while. You know, mm-hmm. you couldn't do it constantly. Um, and so this is an example of it's kind of an Easter egg nod to the video game, mm-hmm. where I'm sure diehard fans of the game would be like, "Oh, it's so awesome! They did the slow motion bullet time thing in the movie, yeah." But like, maybe I'm just jaded because again. The Matrix was 20 years ago. We've seen that. We've seen plenty of other movies copy that for the last 20 years. And so I don't watch this from 10 years ago and go, oh, it's so cool. I'm just like, yeah, that's just, it's just special effects that lots of movies. I still thought it looked good. Okay. You're just, you're just over it. I I guess so. I don't know. (laughs) The story, okay. Here's my thoughts on this movie. This movie is exactly what people who like this kind of movie would expect and want no more and no less like 
that's not a good thing or a bad thing. This movie is just literally like junk food for your brain to just tune <laughs> out and just watch. And so basically, for those who wanted us to re- watch this film, you know, with a Twitter poll, they're like, oh yeah, I love that movie. And maybe you love it because you're like, it's not that great, but I just love well, it. Well, to be fair, I'm always curious because this is the second season. So we've done this before. We did yes. it last season too. And, um, you know, part of me just wonders if they want, they pick a movie because they think it's bad. You know, like, I don't, I don't know how much of it is, oh, we liked it. We want you to review it. Or if it's, oh, I want to torture you for the runtime of this movie. That could be, but I mean, I don't remember what the other movies you asked about were. I'm sure some of them had to have been worse. It was When in Rome, The Happy Time Murders, Max Payne, and... Something else. Oh, I don't man. remember. I feel like When in Rome would have been more torturous. I like that movie. I know. And it's a <laughs> schmaltzy rom-com. Blah. Whatever. <laughs> okay. Basically, my point getting back to this movie is... It is what it is. It's not bad or good. Like, who cares? If you like it, if you're just like, oh, yeah, you know... It's just... It's one of those movies that Nick Frost... Nick Frost character on Hot Fuzz would be like, yeah, you know, awesome action, True. whatever movie. Like, I feel like generic vanilla milk toast blockbuster action movie. That's what this movie is. Yeah, it's so- Transformers, right? It's the later Pirates of the Caribbean movies. It's Bad Boys Two, which I we just, will review on this I know. podcast. <laughs> like, I just feel like. But is that a bad thing? I no, know. it's not a bad thing, but it's just not a good thing because this movie doesn't try to aspire to be anything better. And that's kind of my point about bringing up Mute, bringing up Zack Snyder films, you know, bringing up other movies in this kind of genre and, and that appeal to these demographics. Be more ambitious. Like, try more. Like, I'm sorry. And I've said this before on a podcast when we watched I Don't Even Know... Some other cop mystery, whatever. Like, procedurals on TV have killed this genre of film. True. This film, this type, the the hard-boiled detective mystery is just not gonna be exciting enough unless you do something really out of the blue and really stretch the boundaries when it comes to making movies... Because I can watch similar, whatever, you know, similar stories ten times a week on CBS, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So and, one one thing I will say about that, I don't necessarily think that type of genre is completely dead. So I had not read any Agatha Christie novels. Okay. So while we were watching Murder on the Orient Express, uh-huh. I kept guessing <laughs> who I thought the killer was, and sure. I was never right. But at the same time, yeah, that, I get what you're saying, but at the same time, that is like the third or fourth remake of a, of one of the most famous mystery novels that was written like 80 years ago. Well, right, but I mean, even, I don't know, maybe if you just have a large enough cast, it makes it, right. or, you know, Clue or <laughs> any of those situations right. where um, it could be so many people. Sure. Whereas in a movie like this, it's like, oh, we've met five people. Like, it right. has to be one of those people. <laughs> well, it's just... Okay, so when we watched 
when we watched Lone Ranger a while back. Yeah. It was the exact same formula. Like, the evil... Okay, in the Lone Ranger, the issue was we had a very obvious bad guy, and then the big twist, which wasn't surprising at all, was that the obvious bad guy was in cahoots with the crony, corporatist, you know, capitalist dude. That's true. In this film, like, you have the police, you know, guy who used to be a cop, who's now become the security, you know, head of security for this giant corporate, you know, evil corp kind of pharmaceutical company that we find out has been testing drugs and, you know, basically getting people addicted to this new drug. It's whatever, you know, it's more convoluted than that, <laughs> but, but basically created this drug that for some people become super soldiers and everyone else become meth addicts who see gargoyles that haunt them. Um, <laughs> the point is Bill Bridges, you know, he's the bad guy, right? Like, even if you don't know he's the bad guy, it's not a surprise that he's the bad guy. True. Who would be, okay, in this film that we met, who would it be a surprise that they were the bad guy? Mark Wahlberg. I mean, okay, <laughs> obviously. Like, Ludacris. Ludacris. <laughs> would Ludacris be a surprising bad guy? Maybe. Yeah, probably. Mila Kunis. Yeah, maybe. To, if they did it right. As long as, the, as long as none of those characters ever uttered the words... Don't trust anyone. And yeah. then later on, I told you not to trust anyone. <laughs> including, including me. Including me. Exactly. <laughs> so, for you, did this movie do anything well? So, kind of what I was just saying. It's not that it didn't do anything well. It just didn't do anything. It didn't do anything well. But it didn't <laughs> do anything horribly. It just did what it did. So. This movie is a two-star film that is okay, but not great but not awful like this isn't like oh my gosh one of the worst movies ever made no it is a serviceable dumb popcorn action film but unfortunately it's not even as exciting as like a Hobbs and Shaw yeah like a big budget like explosions blockbuster that's you know but the question I have then is, I mean, obviously I haven't looked up what movies this went up against at the box office, but it was number one. No, yeah, like, obviously. So it appealed to enough people in that kind of action-y, blockbuster sort of, like, I feel like people knew what they were getting and were still psyched to go see it. I guess. I feel like this is like a crappy James Bond movie. And the reason I say that, or even like a crappy Mission Impossible, like, Unlike Fast and the Furious, which is the very much dumb popcorn action movie, but is exciting because it has fun with it. And it's like, yeah, we know we're not making an amazing, like, caliber, you know, Oscar caliber film. We're just making a movie that you're like, yeah, that's awesome because stuff explodes, right? Yeah. This movie is more of like the Mission Impossible James Bond kind of thing because there's some sort of mystery that they have to unravel. But except... Those franchises also have fun with it and have more action, explosions, whatever. There was no action in this film. People walking in and shooting people and then being like, all right, well, we're done. Like, that's not exciting well, action Okay, sequences. are we going to compare it then to... So, I assume Max Payne is a first-person shooter game. Yes. Like Doom. Yes. So, while in Doom, we do get those actual, like... 
first person. You gotta save. You gotta save some of this. I do. We gotta watch okay. that film. I, we do have you to watch it. You want us to Doom. watch it? So don't <laughs> I go love into that, that movie. But so here, I mean, literally any. So Halo. Let's say you're playing Halo. Okay. You're walking down hallways. You're walking around buildings. Yeah. You're shooting aliens. Yes. And this has that same feeling. Like he's walking around buildings. He's going through dark passageways and killing people as, I guess as ridiculous as it sounds that I want like cheesy action ridiculousness that doesn't actually like make sense in real life so there's a scene where he goes into his now dead part ex-partner's like office yeah right mm -hmm. and he's looking through the files to figure out what his partner had found that got him killed mm -hmm. and he finds the another clue and then, you know, the rest of the cops are like, hey, you can't go in there, and they're busting down the door. And then he just, like, escapes Batman-style into the night. And, like, he's just, you know, he goes out the window, and that's it. And they're like, oh, he's gone. Like, instead of that, have a ridiculous chase sequence where they're, you know, he's jumping on rooftops and ledges like to get away. Central Intelligence, when The Rock and Kevin Hart have to escape the insurance office? Yeah, sure. That scene is amazing. I mean, that's the... That's kind of the funny thing is, as ridiculous and dumb as movies like that, Central Intelligence, can be, they have fun with it. Like, if you're going to make a bad, dumb action movie, make it fun. Well, I this guess the didn't difference... have the fun. Well, okay. It was too dark and gritty and took itself right. way too seriously. This movie didn't have fun, mm -hmm. but I'm going to say that's because he's trying to solve the murder of his family. But, like, there's but, no, okay. like, comedic moments available in okay. this film. Sin City. Sin City dealt with much more dark, serious tones. And while it didn't necessarily go off in the, we're going to have fun with it, it was still, it had awesome action. It had real, like, depth of characters and dialogue. It. It's also a lot longer. That's fair. But it definitely leaned into, along with the source material, it really leaned into the hard-boiled aspect of the film noir genre. Mm -hmm. This movie is the classic case of it can't really decide what it wants to be, so it just ends up being nothing, just stuck in the middle. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, like, yeah, develop the characters. Have it be that hard-boiled detective mystery. Or... Have it be the dumb action video game thing where just everything explodes for no reason. True. One is more fun. One makes for a really good story and movie and mystery. This was none of those. It wasn't fun. It wasn't a good mystery. It wasn't a good movie. It but despite that, you don't regret watching it. No, I don't. And you think it's basically a two-star movie. I, I do. But that's not really saying much. I mean, I'm not saying like, oh, it's not a one-star movie. It's better than that. It's a two-star movie. I'm basically saying, no, it's, a, <laughs> it's not good. It's a two-star movie. Well, there you have it. It's do a two-star movie. Do you, do you, is that how you feel? I don't know. I, I want to say I remember liking it more when I first saw it, when it first came out. And I'm, I'm so curious if it's just because this kind of movie has been made so much more over the last 10 years right. than it was when it first came out. So it's kind of like films like we've talked about previously where certain blockbusters, I don't want to start any fights, so I won't <laughs> mention names, but I'll say 
there's certain blockbusters from the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s that I think haven't necessarily aged as well. Yeah. Um, so I feel like watching this movie now, it it seems tired. It seems overdone. Right. They haven't aged but as I well think because it's they just because so we've seen it yeah. so much now. But I think back then, it was way cooler. But... But this movie was 10 years ago, not 25 years ago. If yeah. this movie had come out... Do you know out, how many movies have come out in the last I 10 know, years? I <laughs> know, but my point is, it's not like this classic... You know, it's it's not like it's so old that you're like, oh, it's a classic, it's so influential. It was 10 years ago. Yeah. It was influenced by all those classic... Influ- like, Blade Runner... Okay, the original cut of Blade Runner, most people think is a pretty garbage movie. The, the director's cut... I'm, where trying they, to, I'm trying to think... If I've actually seen all of Blade Runner. It doesn't matter. The I saw Blade is, Runner 2049. The Blade Runner director's cut where Ridley Scott was like, no, F that. That's not the movie I wanted to make. This is the movie I wanted to make. Is basically, it's kind of like Highlander 2, The Quickening, where mm-hmm. there's different cuts, but now the cut, you can't even find the original cuts because the cut that exists like on video and streaming and whatever is the, the recut. Cut. Yeah. Better version, which is of course sad for Highlander too, because you're like, wow, this is the better version. <laughs> How garbage was the first movie? So it's like that. Um, so the the you know the director's cut of Blade Runner, that's a classic movie. And even if it were, if you if you even if you were watching the bad version, you'd be like, wow, this is so influential and great, and I can see how you know it it helped you know pave the way for all these other movies that came later. It came out in the eighties. This movie came out in 2008. It's not like it was like, <laughs> oh, it really paved the way for films, you know, in the... What, no! <laughs> no! You said you hadn't seen it since it came out. Yeah. Right? I mean, for my opinion on this movie, like, I never want to watch it again. Right. I don't regret watching <laughs> it, but I'm never... I don't plan on ever watching this film again. I feel like this is the kind of movie I would totally have on in the background would you yeah i do over something like just office reruns first of all i have not watched the office in quite some time well, a lot of people do okay. <laughs> and when i do i stop at season three <laughs> Whatever. the point is a lot of people there's there's so much better filler to just have on in the background than, it's true, there than bad action movies i guess that's true thinking about other movies we've watched on this podcast like in this genre Okay, we watched that are like older, and you could say reaching the point of maybe being influential. Do you think this movie's better than Universal Soldier? Yes. Really? I'm not sure it is. Um, what else have we watched that was like? It's better than Terminator Salvation. That's probably true. <laughs> and that movie came out around the same time, right? Like 2007, yeah. 2008, nine, mm-hmm. somewhere in there. Yeah, you know, you're probably right about that. Score one for me. But I think Universal Soldier might be better. And that's sad. Because that was not a good movie. It was not. It also was not what we were expecting. So with this, you know what you're expecting. And I feel like it's hard to be disappointed in a movie when you know what you're going to get. I just... Mysteries... when, When mysteries are good, they're like so good. You know, when you don't know what's going on and you're like, oh my gosh. Right? And they're very hard. I mean... M. Night Shyamalan has made one of the best twist-ending kind of mystery things ever, right? 20 well, years ago. 
And he's basically has never been able to replicate that same level of, oh my gosh, shock. Okay, well, I don't think that's necessarily true. Which part? That he hasn't replicated it or that the sixth sense He has not replicated it. I mean, yeah, he hasn't replicated it. So, did you see the twist coming in the village? No. No, but that's because it was stupid. Well, it doesn't matter. That was literally, if they, okay, Okay. if a movie ended with and he woke up and it was all a dream, I wouldn't have seen that coming either, (laughs) but I would not respect it as a great twist. And then you haven't seen The Visit. Correct. But I feel like the The twist there. The twist in that is is pretty good. Okay. Well, I haven't seen that, so I will reserve, reserve judgment, I suppose. Yeah. Anyway, Max Payne. It's meh. <laughs> That's pretty much my overall assessment of it. So, thank you for voting in the Twitter poll that shows Max Payne. We didn't hate it, but we didn't like, like it. it. Don't use the word love. <laughs> didn't we like did it. We did not like it, but we didn't hate it. We are apathetic about this I'm very movie. apathetic about this film. I just... Why does it need... There's there's a lot of films like this, to be honest. I feel like it, how many times you ask the question, why does this movie need to exist? There's a lot of films that are like, why does this old. need to exist? Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> why does why does this need to be? Well, I mean, I, I, I know, I understand that there's kind of a deep philosophical subjectivity of art where you're like, does any art need to exist? Well, in a way, no, but in a way, yes. But it, for a lot of these films, definitely no. <laughs> Big no from Jonathan. <laughs> it was not hot garbage. It was just kind of like beginning to compost garbage. <laughs> like there's elements in there that have not like gotten gone rotten yet. <laughs> but they're, you know, like, yeah, eventually they're not going to. I think it's Tomb Raider is a really good comparison too, because that is also a video game movie. <laughs> just realizing. Them. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. They all are. Right. Well, the newer Tomb Raider one, I think, is more, a lot closer to the the newest Tomb Raider video game, where Lara gets impaled a lot. Oh, Um, okay. Because I think some of the scenes from the new movie were kind of similar to ones in the video game. Okay. But anyway, next week, we are going to watch the runner-up of the Twitter poll, because it was seriously so close. Okay. The Happy Time Murders, murders. starring Melissa McCarthy and a whole bunch of puppets. Thank you for listening to this episode of One Star Bazaar. As always, feel free to reach out to us on social media at One Star Bazaar. Let us know you're listening, what you like, what you want us to watch. Any feedback is always appreciated. Join us next week for The Happy Time Murders.